Welcome to Fail Up Africa, the podcast where we talk about all things failure. That's right. This is a podcast and this is a space where we share stories and experiences dealing with and learning from failure. Each episode, we sit down with a new guest, an African trailblazer who unmasks what it really means to fail and what we can do about it. And that's everything from schooling to academics to careers to starting a business and even personal relationships. This is a space where we can get vulnerable, but with a dose of humor. Join us in getting real about failure. Welcome to episode six of Fail Up Africa, the podcast. Now, before we hop in, let's quickly check in. Firstly, let me introduce myself again. You're listening to Alma Akob, aka A Voice to Be Reckoned With. And as always, I'm super excited to be here to learn with you. Now, let's quickly check in with my amazing co-host, the one and only local noisemaker. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing quite well, Alma. It is the month of love and we're sending uh, you guys love all the way from Fail Up Africa, the podcast here in studio. Speaking about the month of love, Amina, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Um, let the people know. Tell them. <laughs> what did you get up to? Unfortunately, I was indoors for Valentine's. I recently um, had to be isolated on campus for, for a number of COVID-related reasons, but we're we're feeling quite well. We're able to to celebrate vicariously through our social media friends around the world and all the flowers and roses and chocolates that are being sent around. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. At least it sounds like you have some lovely friends. Mine just kept forwarding me the song, Valentine's is coming. Where's your boyfriend? And you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But but anyways, I won't take it personally. Um, love and light to everyone listening as we get into this exciting, exciting episode. Now, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our guest for today. Our guest on this episode is no other than Shabnam Agawal, the Chief Technology Officer at Rising Academy Network. Now, Shabnam's experience and expertise is in increasing the quality and efficiency of last mile human driven solutions through unique human-centered, affordable technology products. I'd love to know what you think about ChatGPT. Now, she has worked in both B2B and B2C spaces on mobile apps and web dashboards in edtech and health tech, leading products from ideation to launch to scale, all the way to generating millions in new revenue for her companies and valuable outcomes for her end users. Her mission is for technology to be understood and treated as simply the conduit for the human inventions rather than the other way around. Shabnam has guest lectured on entrepreneurship at universities including IIIT, IIIT and MIT and has spoken at a TEDx talk and TEDx all over the world actually. I was listening to one just before this episode. She is a fellow of Summit Sandbox, Starting Block, and Uncharted, and a former executive at Pearson and Merrill Lynch. We love our women in STEM. Now, finally, having built three companies all the way from scratch, Shabnab holds the irreplaceable experience of having failed numerous times in the startup world. She is passionate about debunking the stigma of failure, specifically for women who are often held to a different standard. Very true. Now, she is the author of Freedom to Fail, where she shares lessons from her quest for startup success. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, after that impressive introduction, welcome to the episode, Shabnam. How are you feeling today? Thanks. I'm feeling really good. I'm excited to be here and excited to chat with both of you. 
Awesome. Great stuff. It is lovely to have you here as well. And before we even get into the questions, we want to quickly share with you and remind our listeners, which we do on every single episode, the pillars that we have right here at Fail Up Africa, the podcast. Now, these are the pillars of vulnerability, reflection and learning, and as always, a little dose of humor. So feel free to throw some jokes in there as well. So we ask you to get vulnerable, to reflect and to share your learnings and find those moments to laugh with us. The first question that I have for you is, I'd love to go all the way back to the beginning. I think the best way of telling a story is going all the way to where it started. Who is Shabnab and where are you from? And what are the things that make you, you? Please share with us what your origin story is from your childhood, that time before you became the success that you are today. Thanks. Um, yeah, so I am, uh, as you may may note from my accent, I grew up in California um, in the Bay Area and I grew up with uh, immigrant parents. So both my parents had sort of immigrated one from India and actually one from Kenya, uh, but they're both Indian origin. Um, and um, what makes me me? Well, I grew up, as I said, Bay Area, so the heart of Silicon Valley. Um, and I would say that some of the things that make me me um, are uh, sort of an undying um, <laughs> belief that technology can be used to, uh, can be harnessed, I should say, to, to make a impactful change in the world. Um, and, 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 and perhaps another sort of second belief that no matter where you are in the world and, and no matter what your circumstances, you have the ability to, to learn, um, if you're given sort of the right tools to succeed. So, um, yeah, that kind of comes to a little bit from my upbringing, my parents, um, and they're both engineers as well, but have kind of dabbled in the education space. Um, and and I, I loved kind of um, observing that growing up, and, and that's what brought me here. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Shabnam. Um, I'd love for us to, to really contextualize the main theme of this podcast, you know, with regards to the conversation around failure. And one thing that we have observed over the past couple of episodes where we're trying to really understand our guest's perspective and relationship with failure, it, it oftentimes traces back to the conditioning that we had in the environments that we grew up in. You know, whether it's our household, whether it was the schools that we went to, the, the communities, the, you know, the, the, the old saying of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, right? And so if we look at this village that, that it does take to, to condition ourselves growing up and, and, and going through childhood, what, what, what would we need to understand about, or rather, in order for us to understand who you are now, what do we need to know about the early childhood environments that you grew up in and your first encounter with the concept of failure? Thank you. I think the first time I really truly experienced failure very viscerally was when I was in university. I remember um, I was studying in under an, in, in an engineering degree at Carnegie Mellon University, and I wanted to actually, um, I believe it was an earthquake or maybe it was a tsunami, but something um, sort of devastating devastating had had occurred in uh, in India, and I was keen to sort of help out in whatever way I could, and so I start I decided to start sort of a a small. Um, 
company. It was kind of a, a discount card called Bargain Stealer Card. And the idea was to sort of give um, discounts to local um, or places like Subway or Starbucks, you know, different places that students might might peruse um, and and sort of have tie-ups with these places so that I would increase their footfall and then, you know, any sort of um, extra revenue. We had sort of a rev share program that where I could send that money then to uh, to a charity in India to kind of help with um, what had happened. And the failure part um, really came when we tried to uh, go through the legal team at Carnegie Mellon uh, to sort of get our, our brand name approved. And because we were using the, the word stealer, which is actually the same, the, we made a play on the word stealer and used the spelling of the, the stealer football team, American football team, um, and and therefore the legal team said that uh, we could not proceed with um, this brand name and and we'd already printed out thousands of these bargain cards um, and I obviously was not operating on a large uh, profits or margins and so you know we ended up having to shut it down before it even really got started um, and uh, that was pretty pretty rough I would say for somebody who had succeeded quote unquote up until that point and really had it had avoided the, the feelings and the uh, circumstances of failure. So I would say that was really my first most formative uh, failure. And I, I, I guess that's the first time I was aware that it existed. I can't remember actually, if you asked me a, a follow up question in your first sort of posing of the question, but maybe you could repeat it. <laughs> I can answer that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But that's a really good way to kick it off. And I think just a connecting question to that would be over the, as you were evolving out of the season in, 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 in college and getting into the real world, were there instances where, you know, this, these different stages brought up different perspectives for yourself on failure tied to the experiences that you had over the course of, you know, moving from college, you know, to the workspace was, did did your view on failure or how you handle failure change over the course of these different seasons that you were transitioning through? Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think that's a great uh, starting point for us today because I think that um, failure d- definitely has different implications and different meanings for us as we go through um, the phases of life and as we go through some of the more formative parts of our um, our lives. And what I would say also is that as we're younger, let's say we're even toddlers and we're sort of learning to to walk or we're learning to ride a bike, you know, we're we're always trying new things as human beings, um, and and we're often failing very naturally in, in trying to learn these new things or accomplish new things. And I would say as we grow older and older and become more and more sort of responsible for our own bodies and our own um, you know, our own bills and our own life livelihoods, um, that, that risk taking becomes more and more scary. Um, and it becomes more and more, um, stigmatized and, um, and becomes a lot more consequential, I would say. So definitely in college, you still have a little bit of that padding and that soft landing where, you know, even if you fail a little bit or you fail an exam or you fail to, you know, try, try with your first sort of startup endeavor as I did, the implications are not huge, right? Neither did I have 
neither was I spending a lot of money on this idea. Uh, maybe I was spending some time so that that was sort of the implication of losing a bunch of time that I had committed to this. Um, and there was some sort of, uh, losing face, right? So, so my, my, my personal brand, you could say, or, um, just sort of my ego was burnt. But, uh, at the end of the day, the, the other, the sort of long-term implications of that failure were pretty minimal. Whereas as you, as I went forward into my career and started taking on jobs, um, and making decisions that would have a direct impact on, my livelihood, um, and on the people around me, uh, those, those, those failures that I then went through subsequently were much more consequential and therefore held a lot more weight. Um, and, and were just a lot more difficult to decide to, to enter into, and then also difficult to experience as I, as I did, um, in the failure itself. And, and I'm sure we'll talk through some of those for, as examples, but yeah, I, I definitely think that the definition has changed through my life. Um, and, and the weight of failure has, has morphed over time as well. Mm, I, I completely understand that. And in fact, what I want to do is go back to something you said a little bit earlier on, where you said both of your parents are engineers. And if there's one thing African culture has that's similar to South or to Asian culture in general, it's the importance of academics, the academia. Um, you know, we're all young people striving for excellence as much as we can in the academic space. And so my question to you would be, how did you deal with that pressure um, coming from an academic background, coming from uh, an ethnic background that you come from, and even further on, debunking the stigma on failure for women specifically from your lived experience? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I would say that, you know, one of the early sort of... Um, even even predating this bargain stealer card example um, was was when I actually applied for colleges, and I actually wanted to be an architect. So I remember uh, applying to Carnegie Mellon secretly under two different um, majors. One was architecture, and one was engineering. And I got into architecture first for some reason. And I remember going to my father and showing him this. I was super excited, and I went up to his room and and kind of presented him this acceptance letter. Um, and I remember him taking one look at it and then throwing it in the trash. <laughs> so it was, um, unfortunately, you know, a really, um, I did grow up in a very kind of academic focused and also, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing non-academic about architecture. It's just for typically for especially South Asian parents, you know, the options are engineering, doctor, lawyer. And so, um, that was very much a sort of my, my only option really was engineering. And I would say that, um, you know, the, the stigma that, that was then created inside of my household, inside of my community was really around, um, you don't talk about failure. You don't, it's so, it's so bad. And it's such a mark. It leaves such a mark on yourself, on your family, on your community, that if, that if it does occur, you basically sweep it under the rug um, and 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 hope that nobody ever finds out. And I think that can really form a lot of our perceptions about taking risks and trying things that could fail. Um, but but I'd say especially for women, um, you know, what I've noticed at least is that we are um, often um, 
we're battling against existing stigmas uh, that are already a hundredfold, right? Um, we're go- we're sort of saying like, no, we can be scientists and engineers, and we we can succeed and be CEOs, just like all the other men that are CEOs in in companies, and we can, um, you know, do all these things that that apparently for many years only men could do, and I think because of that, we often. Um, we we some well we sometimes struggle to sort of take the the risky route uh, because we're worried that we may kind of contribute to this assumption that we can't we can't actually do the, these things and so I would say that um, one of my like big um, theories of change is that you know um, as women specifically but but, but more generally entrepreneurs um, you know we 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 have to embrace failure we have to embrace the fact of the risks that we're taking in order for us to get to the kinds of um, changes in society and in communities um, ar- that we're hoping to, to, to accomplish. Mm, so, so encouraging. I think a lot of the times when we face troubles as human beings, we really do feel like we're the only ones experiencing it in the whole world. Um, and to hear that there are others going through the exact same thing or who did go through the exact same thing, there's some camaraderie in there. And furthermore, to hear you come out on the other side and say that as women, we have a responsibility to, to you know, like you said, break these existing stigmas. It's It's something that we need to actively do. And so, Branching off now into your um, startup career, your entrepreneurship journey, I'm just going to take a deep dive into the deep end. Now, according to you, what is your biggest failure that you have experienced so far, specifically focusing on your personal experience of building your own startups? The biggest failure, I would say, would be my last startup, which was called Clever Kid. So um, the book you mentioned early on in the introduction, Freedom to Fail, was um, a book I wrote after shutting down that startup. Um, it was a um, sort of an ed tech startup um, similar to Yelp or Airbnb. So it was sort of a marketplace where you could open up this website called Clever Kid and you could, as a parent or a guardian, you could search for, let's say, horseback riding lessons or chess lessons or uh, preschools um, near me. And you could find sort of the ratings and the reviews and the pricing um, and the distance from you. And in theory, the the product would also um, allow you to then like book those classes for your child. And, um, you know, that, that was the reason I would kind of consider that my biggest failure is because we, that was the one where I had really put a lot of my own personal savings. Um, I had put my family, some of my family savings into it. I had raised venture capital for it. I had, um, really, um, put all of my sort of brand equity and time equity and, and money into this into this idea. Um, and I was not able to sort of uh, make it work, you know, for, for a number of reasons, I would say in hindsight. But that was definitely my, my biggest failure um, professionally. <laughs> but maybe I'll pause there and just see if you wanted to take that in, in one direction or another. No, keep it going, Shabda. I love... I'm resonating a lot with this because when I think about my first, during my first gap year out of high school, I had founded a, a startup, a career tech. We were trying to build essentially a Tinder for internships where we'd link um, young professionals and students to different, different job opportunities around, around, around Kenya, right? And after 
you're going through an accelerator program. Um, I did an incubator program at the Watson Institute in Colorado. But then coming into 2020, I it's sort of, you know, that that cliche of, you know, startups don't make it past this. The first six months, I was I was part of that statistic, <laughs> my team and I. And I remember what I was feeling during this period of time. I felt like this failure, like I'm dead, like I can't, I can't get past this right and and on the continent there's a growing wave of entrepreneurship right on on the african continent in fact in our discovery phase of of the fail up africa initiative we found that young people are taking power back and intentionally building skills that allow them to venture out as entrepreneurs i'd be i'd be curious to to get your opinion on this shabnam as we as we still filter into your, your your experience building startups how do you think young individuals looking to venture into this field can effectively foster risk-taking mindsets, right? Especially when faced by limited resources, which is a very common thing for, for entrepreneurs on the continent. And this these circumstances can often feel insurmountable. What are some of the some of the ways you feel like young entrepreneurs can foster this risk-taking mindset and and really mitigate some of these risks when going into entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's a really fascinating story um, about about your Tinder for what is I think you said Tinder for for startups. <laughs> um, maybe I misheard that, but that but that Tinder, was, that's it. Tinder yeah. for internships, yeah. Internships, <laughs> right, right, right. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I love that, and I love how all of us entrepreneurs like have been trained to have this like catchphrase <laughs> for our companies, which I also did. Right. I think I said it was like Airbnb for um, after school program. Anyhow. Um, I, yeah. I think, I think this is a really important question, right? I mean, how do we ensure that there's enough of this sort of safe space and, um, and sort of guardrails for young people, especially to still take some of the risks involved in entrepreneurship, but also have the, um, the, the, the protection and sort of the security to to feel like okay if I do take this risk or if I do venture out on my own I won't necessarily create cause permanent damage to myself and to my reputation but also to my family and I think family is a really important factor here right I think um, in I think in in many of the countries in Africa as well as in Asia. Um, family can be uh, instrumental in in our decisions career-wise and um, both in the positive and sort of in the in the in the like detrimental sense and so I would say that um, just to answer your question a little bit more directly I think for one for young individuals I think it's always great to have sort of these types of fellowship programs that um, allow you to take some risks but also gives you kind of um, a period of time as well as some support and mentorship as well as some money, hopefully. So it, it really like creates these like college-esque atmospheres where although you are in the real world um, and these and these fellowships are often like pushing you to do things in the real world, you still have a little bit of those guardrails and support to allow you to make some mistakes, you know, try some risky things, but then even if it doesn't work out, at least at the end of the day, you haven't like squandered all of your own personal money. I think those are great. And and as stated in the introduction, I've done many of them in my career. I will say on the other side though, that um, sometimes they can be too cushy. And, and I think there's something to say for 
taking a big risk with your own money and with your own time. And, and, and there's something to say about, I think there's value in um, also having that kind of risk on the line, because I think sometimes it forces you to make certain decisions and do certain things that you wouldn't do if you were in a super comfortable situation. So I know I'm sort of contradicting myself there a little bit, uh, but perhaps you face this yourself as uh, as well, Bonifa- Boniface. But um, you know, I think when we are up against the um, the ropes, <laughs> we are sort of pushed to to try things that we wouldn't otherwise try. And so I would say for young people, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Try and find those programs that will be supportive. But at the same time, you know, figure out what kind of runway you have available. Where if you were to spend you know, X amount of money and let's say six months and you gave yourself that, that period. Um, and, and at the end of that period, you know, you wouldn't be totally bankrupt, but <laughs> maybe you'd have some savings left. Um, uh, but you would have given yourself that, that time to really try something difficult and risky. Um, I think there is something to say for that as well. So yeah, that would be my advice. <laughs> And thanks for that advice as well. I think it's going to be very welcomed by um, our entrepreneurs. Like Omina says, the African continent is a, a breeding ground for young people realizing that the workforce is not going to give us jobs, so we need to create them ourselves. Um, so thank you for being honest and vulnerable and sharing all of that with us. I just want to ask you a quick true or false question, and your answer will lead us to the next question, right? So my question is, according to you, or do you believe um, that all failures are equal? No, I don't. And then I'm going to ask why. <laughs> well, I think, I think if we fail on an exam, for example, um, that is nothing like failing to, uh, let's say, let's say failing at, you know, um, <laughs> building a multi-million dollar venture capital funded startup, or even in, in the worst sense of failure, you know, actually failing in a very, um, raw way, you know, maybe you, um, are driving drunk or doing something really dumb. (laughs) Um, you know, I think those are very different types of failures and I think they all deserve their own sort of space. I hear you 100%. And in fact, it, it makes me think of your TED talk, um, where you spoke about the difference between failing in education and failing at life. Um, and you used the example of, I think it was your little sister, I'm not sure, um, riding a bicycle and um, failing at riding a bicycle versus someone failing an exam and everyone thinking that failing an exam is destructive to your future, but failing at riding a bicycle is okay. Um, so could you comment on that just a little bit? Yeah, sure. I think I think the the idea that I was trying to get across there is that um, we we sometimes place a lot more sort of weight and emphasis on academia often, um, especially at certain phases of our life, um, as well as sort of our our careers and and as we grow out of academia and into our careers, we we place a lot of emphasis on certain types of failures. And I think the the truth, uh, in my opinion, is that um, while there are a whole class of failures that that are sort of um, life threatening or you know potential cause can cause potential sort of like health implications, um, I think there are uh, this other class of failures that are um, what's the right word? I guess 
devalued um, or considered sort of no big deal. Um, and, and I think in reality, like they all, each type of failure actually does bring a lot of value to the table. I don't say that, I don't think that they're equal by any means, but I do think that different types of failures have the ability to teach us different things. And it's really important to hold those in, in high esteem rather than kind of point to them and say, this was something we need to erase from our memory, which I think is often the way we think about them. All right. Thank you so much for that um, and all the insights that we've learned. I've been taking notes and I hope that you have as well. As I always encourage our listeners, don't just listen, listen, write it down, come back to it, read it again, you know, let it marinate within your system. And that's how you start to live it as well. At this point in the episode, we'd like to move to our rapid fire questions. And I'm excited to tell you about it because it's my favorite part of every single episode. This is where we get to find out the real you, right? So rapid fire questions is a segment where you can expect in every single episode where we take up to three minutes to ask our guests some interesting questions based on a specific theme. Now guests must answer the questions asked of them and they must keep their answers short with no explanations. Trust me, it's harder than it seems. This rapid fire segment is called Throwback to Me When I Was Building My First Startup. Shabnam, are you ready? I sure am. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's get right into it. Okay, question number one. I want you to think back to a time when you were building your first startup. What is the one mistake or serious error of judgment you made during this time? Um, choosing my co-founder. Ooh. Oh, I want to, I want to, that's so dramatic. I'd love to ask and find out more, but I will, I will not. I will follow the rules. Um, all right. Question number two, finish this sentence. When I was building my first startup, my support system was? Ooh, uh, I didn't really have one, to be honest. Well, you went at it solo. It's powerful. It's <laughs> yeah. powerful. So all the solo entrepreneurs out there, you're not alone. Even though you are alone, you're not alone. All right. <laughs> so Netflix is making a movie about your life. Who would play your younger self in this film? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, probably Maitri Ramakrishnan. She's an actor. Uh, in Never Have I Ever. It's a good TV show. Oh, yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> um, we've got, I think, two more to go. So given the context of this podcast, what is the one piece of advice you would like to give to, you would give yourself rather, when you were building your first startup? Oof. Um, one piece of advice. That's pretty limiting. <laughs> um, <laughs> one piece. Uh I think take more risks. Take more risks as if, you know, mm -hmm. starting a business is not enough. Okay, take more <laughs> risk. I like that. I, I definitely like that. And the final question for today, when you were starting out as an entrepreneur, thinking about your future, what did you hope you would be remembered for? Ooh, I think, I think at that time, I wanted to have... Uh, I wanted to be remembered for having an impact on the education of, of, of like 10 million children. Oh, that's powerful. 
that's really powerful. I'm going to break the rules for two seconds and I just want to apologize to our producers, but I'd love to find out, right? Because they always say, don't go into business with your friends. That first mm. question about the era <laughs> of judgment, if you don't mind sharing, was it a friend or a family member? Just so for those who are listening and are considering getting your mom in there as your business partner, you know, <laughs> something along those lines, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I mean, in my case, it was neither. It was a, um, a professor at, at the university I had gone to for undergrad, um, and I didn't know him well enough. I think we had jumped into something headfirst uh, together, and we're sort of both um, somewhat unprepared and and under knowledgeable about one another, um, and sort of our communication style our, our entrepreneurship style. Um, I was quite young, you know, I was only like 22 or so. Um, and I would say that in that case, um, you know, we just, we just, we were not aligned, um, both from the motives of why we wanted to go into this startup together and why we wanted to go into the startup period. Um, and therefore, you know, there are many times where we just couldn't come to an agreement on things. But I would say that I have started another startup with a really close friend. And again, I would probably, um, you know, I, I think that could be very risky. It depends on the relationship you have with that friend. I would strongly suggest you you do you take on something really tiny that is money oriented or involves money and involves sort of your time and risk, but that isn't the entire startup just to see that you guys can, you know, make decisions together and that you are aligned and compatible as, as entrepreneurs and co-founders. It's really important to look at the Venn diagram of your skills, their skills, what your interests are and what your motives are and make sure that that all aligns perfectly uh, because starting up is, is a serious endeavor and it can be quite, emotionally draining. Um, I know I've mm -hmm. personally gone to therapy after a number of my startups have failed. Um, and it's been very constructive. I strongly, strongly recommend it, uh, regardless of whether you failed. But um, I would say that, you know, it's, it is important to to pick the right co-founder. Definitely. 100%. I think the key takeaway from that is find someone who matches your motives. Um, and, you know, once you've got that going for you, everything else should fall into place. So that wraps up our rapid fire questions. And in fact, that wraps up the episode. Um, incredible. Really, really great. And can I just say from one woman to another, um, it is so inspiring to hear what you've done and what you've achieved. Even though you were born into an excellent family, what you have managed to do as yourself, as an independent individual person, is really, really incredible. And so um, thank you for showing us that you can do it all. Um, so thank you for that, Shabnam. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful stuff. So to all of our listeners, if you like what you heard today, please share this with everyone. Um, share it on your social media channels, share it with your friends and your family and make sure that they are also listening and picking up these golden nuggets. And we would also want to hear from you um, if you are failing up from last year so send us a voice note via our instagram page we want to hear your voices the same way that you listen to ours on this podcast um, and also let us know some people that you want to hear from on this podcast we are all about listening to you and what you want to hear and what you want to learn so please do let us know if you want to find out more about fail up africa don't forget to check out our website at failupafrica.com and follow us on our instagram page at fail up africa 
It's been real, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time on Fail Up Africa, the podcast. Bye.